0: Hello, welcome to Motherhood Out Loud, a safe place for mothers to talk openly about their experiences without fear of judgment or shame.
1: Our hope is for women to realize that we're not alone in the variety of emotions we feel and that we're able to provide a more loving community for future moms. Let's take Take our our power power back back and and live motherhood Motherhood Out out loud with Carla
0: and Cindy. Hi guys, welcome to Motherhood Out Loud. Today, we have a very special guest, Jen, with us. I know Jen from when I used to work in the hospital um, when I was first starting as a nurse. So I'm really excited to have her on. She's been a really um, great surprise like um, friend to me recently in motherhood. And so I'm really happy to have her on. Jen, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah, thanks, Cindy. I'm so thankful to be on here. So thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm Jen. I'm 33 years old. I live in El Paso, Texas with my wonderful husband. We have a daughter, Abigail. She's almost two and a half. And I am pregnant with my second baby. We're about seven months pregnant. And we have two little shih tzus, little dogs, Milo and Otis. And I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've been a stay-at-home mom since my daughter was born. And prior to that, I was a registered nurse.
0: Awesome, it's we're really excited to have you, Carla's here as well. Um We kind of introduced ourselves a little bit in the background. Um, I just wanted to go ahead and get us started. So, can you tell us a little bit about your journey to conceiving your children? Did you have any <laughs> struggles? Did it go pretty smoothly for you?
2: Yeah, so actually, I didn't really think about having kids um in my twenties. I kind of thought I don't want kids, maybe. Uh, But then when I turned 30, I was already married and me and my husband started talking about it. So we said, yes, we want kids. So I went to my OBGYN and surprisingly, she actually told me to expect about a year to get pregnant. And I was really shocked by that because I thought it just happened or at least would take a few months. So I started researching and I'm glad I did because I found this whole trying to conceive community. And I learned all the acronyms, TTC, OPK, BFP. Yes. (laughs) um, For everyone in the infertility world and trying to conceive. And so I got really prepared just thinking it might take a long time. But it did not. I was on hormonal birth control. I stopped my pill like on a Sunday night. And I bought ovulation, an ovulation prediction kit and some pregnancy tests because I didn't even know when I ovulated. I hadn't had a period in a few years because I was on birth control. So I didn't know wow. anything. And a lot of these women's stories are like, you need to know when you ovulate and when you have your period. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I stopped my birth control. A few days later, I started taking the ovulation prediction kit sticks, peeing on the stick And within a few days, it said I was going to ovulate. I was like, "Wow, it works!" And then the next day, it said, (laughs) "Yes, like you for sure are going to ovulate, like within 24 hours." So I told my husband, "Like let's just try, like I don't know, you know, if it's real or not." And so, sure enough, I got pregnant right away. Oh my gosh! So we kind like I kind of had a feeling like I might be pregnant. So I was taking pregnancy tests like every day, <laughs> and I was able to see the line get darker and darker. At first, yes. I showed my husband the first time, and he's like, "No, it's like the lighting in the room." Um, <laughs> but no, I was <laughs> pregnant. So yeah, we didn't have any trouble. Um, and then with my second pregnancy, I did not go back on hormonal birth control. We were doing fertility awareness method. And so I knew when I was ovulating. So we tried, and it one try again. So wow, wow, wow. we got really
0: blessed both times. Send me that's, some of the baby dust. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. To <laughs> tell you, I mean, I it's so interesting about the fertility awareness methods, but I mean, that could be a. a a topic, a show on its own. Cause I like oh, would yeah. love to drill you on your experience with that as well. Um, with, so when you found out you were pregnant, you kind of said your husband Ninja was a little bit like kind of, it sounds like a little bit like, no, that's not true. <laughs> like it <laughs> happened too fast. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And
2: really like, he didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. And like I said, I had been listening to all these stories of women who have been trying for months and years, and I was thinking that'll be me, but no, not always.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm I'm glad that you got to get pregnant super quickly. That's that's awesome. Obviously, we don't want to struggle. You know, that's that sucks. But um, right? Can you tell us how were you, how have how was your pregnancy with Abby, and how is this pregnancy going? Do, do you have a lot of symptoms?
2: Uh, so. Both pregnancies have been completely different. Um, My first pregnancy was really great. I didn't get any nausea. I didn't really have any symptoms. I was really worried because I had had a LEAP um, in the past. The LEAP is, hold on, I wrote it down. Um, It stands for loop electrosurgical excision procedure. I had had an abnormal pap smear in my 20s. And then when they did the colposcopy I had some like highly abnormal cell growth. So they wow. recommended I get that part of my cervix removed, excise. So when I had had wow. that procedure done, my OBGYN had told me, you may have issues conceiving and you also may have issues holding a pregnancy. Because your cervix is, you know, you have a scar on there and it's a little bit weakened. So I had been really worried about that my whole pregnancy and I didn't have any issues and neither with that pregnancy or this current one. So, yeah, just something, you know, for women who've had that before
0: um, yeah, I see how that adds like a lot of anxiety that, you know, you might have issues like, you know, you hear of those people that need like a stitch in their cervix, like they start dilating prematurely and kind of need help to keep everything in. So yeah, that would have given me a lot of anxiety as well.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And, and that was the biggest thing I was worried about. Um, but they were always reassuring me, no, it's fine. Um, and then this pregnancy, Like I said, it was very different. I had all the symptoms in the beginning. I was sick right away. Um, Oh, my gosh. Nausea, vomiting. I took a medication called Diclegis for almost the first 20 weeks of my pregnancy. Um, That's for the nausea? That's for nausea and vomiting. Oh, my gosh. So it wasn't like HG, the hyper gravidarum. I Mm. cannot even imagine going through that. Uh, but it was just constantly being nauseous. I would throw up a few times a day. So that's over with. <laughs> Good. Uh, thankfully. No, no other pregnancy symptoms. We did have um, a little bit of unexpected news at our genetic screening with this baby. They, at 12 weeks, they do a genetic screening or they offer one to you. And it's based on an ultrasound and some blood work. And they looked at the ultrasound. And they looked and looked and took their time. And here I was just happy to see my baby. Um, (laughs) And then afterwards, the maternal fetal medicine doctor came in and told me that it looked like my baby had markers for a chromosomal abnormality. And so that just like changed everything. Of course, it wasn't for sure. She did recommend something called cell-free DNA testing, which takes your dna at about 10 weeks like your baby's dna starts mixing with your dna so they're able to extract from your blood all the dna and they can just line it up and see if there's any extra chromosomes or missing chromosomes anywhere and so i had to wait about a week to get those results back but everything came back low risk like they couldn't find any abnormalities so whatever those markers they had seen on ultrasound, they went away on their own. Um, but that was a really stressful time for me. <laughs> I was reaching out to a lot of friends just asking, like, have you had something like this happen or do you have any advice? Um, but yeah, everything's okay now. We have the anatomy scan. Everything looks great. So, so, so,
0: wow, far, so it's just it's something real. that... Like they think just kind of whatever they were looking at just disappeared or.
2: Yeah. So yeah. they look at the fluid behind the neck. the um, mm-hmm. It's called nuchal translucency test. And that was higher than normal. And then they were seeing just some other kind of facial features that they were a little worried about. But everything turned out to be okay. So. I'm glad
0: because that's that's stressful. I, I feel like the stress of pregnancy just carries, you know, through the whole thing. Like you're scared about like your ultrasounds. And then, mm-hmm. you know, for you with your cervix as well, just kind of having that in the back of your mind. And like every little thing is like, like a checkmark, you know, <laughs> it's a checklist. Like, am I going to pass this level of the game kind of thing? It's, <laughs> it's, it's scary. It could be pretty scary. But I'm glad yeah. that everything's okay with the baby thank you and <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about your journey initially deciding like where you were gonna give birth did you have a birth plan how did you go about deciding that? so I always just
2: assumed I would give birth in a hospital I thought that's what women do um so yeah and, and me and my husband both work in hair- healthcare so we just felt that that's what we should do. Um, I did switch OBGYNs at the time. A lot of my coworkers were really suggesting I go with um, a particular OBGYN because he was so great. And so I, I did switch to his care and, and he was great. He was very patient. Um, I started listening to birth stories um, like in my second trimester I listened to The Birth Hour. I'm sure you ladies have heard of it. And (laughs) I learned just so much. And I mean, I learned women could have babies at home and that there were birth centers. I mean, not a lot, but that there were just different options. Um, Me and my husband weren't really comfortable with like going down that route. But I did learn what a doula was at around 28 weeks pregnant. And so I said, that is what I want. So I Googled doula El Paso and the first name that popped up, I clicked, contacted her, we met and I hired her. And that's the best decision I could have made during my pregnancy was hiring a doula. And so she was really the one to introduce me to what a birth plan was. One of the meetings we had before um, my daughter was born was creating a birth plan. And I, I really just thought like, you go in, and it's like, Do you want an epidural? Not. And that's about it. Like, I really did not know that you could get so detailed with a birth plan. Um, and we, we planned for all kinds of scenarios, and it was really nice. And I, I hired her again for this pregnancy. Um, so we will be making a birth plan again. And now I know what one is. I've already started it a little bit. Um, but yeah, at the time, I really had no idea, no plan. So I was thankful to have a doula to help guide me through that.
0: Did you think it was helpful to create a birth plan? I know some people don't like to create it because they think that it kind of puts you like in a box. And so if things happen that are outside of that box, like you kind of are setting yourself up for like being disappointed. Is that how you felt or did you, did you find it helpful? It sounds like you found it helpful, but I just want to See what your thoughts
2: are. I did find it helpful, even though like nothing worked out according to it. But um, I think the big thing to know with a birth plan, I mean, like any plans, is that things change. You have to be flexible. And going over different scenarios was helpful, too. That way, just in case your plan A doesn't work out, well, we've talked about plan B. And even if plan B doesn't work out, well, we we even discussed plan C. So, you know, it's not your original plan, but what can we make work even with the thing you didn't want to do? So I thought that was helpful.
0: Yeah. I like that you detailed that because I think sometimes people think that it's just a plan A, but no, I think with the doula that you get, they should walk you through your options. And I think that's where the, the, empowerment comes is knowing your options and knowing that when those decisions have to be made, you and your husband or your partner already talked about it. So you know what, you know, what path, like it's not plan A, but we know what path to take. And we're all comfortable because we've talked about it before. Is there anything special besides getting a doula that you did to prepare for your birth?
2: Yeah. So I found out my daughter was breech Um, at at the, the 20 week anatomy scan, she was breached, but they were like, "Eh, a lot of babies are breached this early. I had another ultrasound, like kind of a similar anatomy scan at 30 weeks. And she was still breached at 30 weeks. And Um. by then I had my doula. So she suggested some things I could do. So I started doing spinning babies. I started seeing a chiropractor. I was doing prenatal yoga. Typically, my doctor would do ultrasounds at every appointment. Um, and so he would tell me, like, yes, yeah, she's still breached. And then at 34 weeks, for some reason, he didn't do an ultrasound, but he did the Doppler. And he's like, you know what? I think she flipped. And so I was like, great. Like, this stuff's working. Uh, but then at my 36 week appointment, she was breached. He did an ultrasound and she was breached. So I don't know that she actually did flip or she was just always breached the whole time, but I was really disappointed because at 36 weeks, you're kind of getting closer to delivery and I was just like, what else can I do? Um, So I had made an appointment to get acupuncture with moxibustion, Mm -hmm. but I never actually made it to that appointment because I delivered before that. Uh, But that was really like my last
0: thing on the list to try. Wow! yeah, you'll have to tell us a little bit about how that went. Um, We could talk about it a little later because I'm curious about the chiropractor and all that. So go Mm -hmm. ahead and tell us about your birth story with Abby.
2: Okay. So I went in for my 38-week appointment. By then I was going every week. I was thankful that my doctor wasn't pressuring a C-section yet. Um, he did not do external versions for first time moms. So, because that was something I had asked him about. Um, but he said something about like, your uterus is not, is never stretched before. Like it's kind of more dangerous. I don't really know how true all that is, but I just took his word and said, okay, we won't do it then. Um, so at 38 weeks, He was just like, you know, come back at 39 weeks. We'll see what's going on with baby. Babies can flip at the last minute. Um, But I didn't make it to my 39-week appointment because two days later, my water broke. So it was about 7 in the morning, and I was laying in bed. And I was like, did I pee myself? And at 38 weeks, like, eh, it could probably be true. (laughs) But it kind of felt like a lot. So I was like, (laughs) I don't think that's pee. (laughs) So... (laughs) I also thought like, yeah, but it's kind of early still. Like I'm not really ready to have my baby today. So I don't think it's my water breaking, um, but I got out of bed and sure enough, fluid was trickling down my leg and I knew it wasn't urine. So I called my husband in and I was just standing there and I'm like, babe, my water broke. And he's like, all right, what do we do? What's the plan? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, so <laughs> I'm like, hurry up, get ready, like pack a bag. So I went. I like sat on the toilet because, like I said, fluid was just kind of leaking out of me, and I started making calls. I tried to get a hold of my doctor, um, but I couldn't get through. So I called my doula, just let her know what's going on. I called the labor and delivery floor um, for the hospital I was registered at, and they were like, "Oh, your water broke. Like you need to come in now." So. Right. I also had the thought in my mind, because it was pretty early in the morning, I knew that my baby was probably still breached. And I knew my doctor did C-sections in the mornings. So I was like, well, like, we better hurry up and get to the hospital because he's probably still there. He's probably like, you know, in a case or finishing up, like, you know, I don't want to miss him and then have to wait all day. So we get to the hospital and yeah, he had already left, so he was at clinic, <laughs> I was just like, what do I do, so they they put me um, in triage, Labor and Delivery has a triage, and it was so funny, because on the bed, they just had like this little towel, like a little hand towel, and I was like, no, like my water broke, You have a truck, and she's like, no, no, this is fine. No, I soaked through that little towel and all the sheets like instantly. Oh, my
0: gosh. (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) But anyways, what do I know? Uh, (laughs) They did have um, an ultrasound tech come. They did an ultrasound there at the bedside just to confirm that she was still breached. And she was. So they called my doctor and they were like, you know, he'll be here at five o'clock to take you to the OR. It was still pretty early. It was only like nine o'clock in the morning. So, oh my
0: gosh!
2: Well, what do I do all day?
0: (laughs) Wow. um,
2: So yeah, me and my husband were there. Um, I didn't have any um, any waves yet or contractions. I didn't feel anything yet. I was just leaking, and so I sent my husband home around lunchtime because he was just in in this little plastic chair. And I was like, you know what, like go home, feed the dogs, walk the dogs, get some rest, eat, and then just come back later. So he left. Um, but I did call him about like two hours later, because I started having contractions and waves, And so I told him this hurts, you need to come help me. <laughs> so he came back. Um, my, my contractions were very irregular. And they weren't really that strong. I think I was just a little surprised because it kind of went from nothing to now I feel something. Um, And I called my doula. I told her I was okay, but I did want her there before I went to the OR. Um, They wouldn't let her in the OR with my husband. They only said one person could go. So, And this was pre-pandemic. So she was able to come to the hospital and be in our room with us. Um, So she came. And yeah, they brought me back to the OR, which was pretty intense. I have been in ORs before, um, but when you're the patient, it's just so different. And I remember my husband had to wait outside and it was just really, I don't know. It wasn't what I wanted, first of all. And then everyone just seemed so rushed, like even that whole day when I was in triage, like moms were coming and going from the OR and I'd hear them go and then 30 minutes later, I hear them come back with their baby. And it was just so crazy how many women had babies that day. Um, But I was in there and I remember like my CRNA, she was like really tired and she was like complaining that she was still there. oh my god I was like I'm so sorry for you like yeah
0: you're like I'm sorry I'm an inconvenience thanks
2: (laughs) um she was nice in that. like I was wearing my glasses and I was crying so she kept wiping my glasses and so that was really nice um but otherwise it was just a weird experience I didn't expect it to be like that were you feeling Um, scared or I was, I was feeling really scared and I was feeling really ignored. Like the NICU team came in, there was like a NICU nurse practitioner and two nurses and they all like everyone in the room just started talking about like what vet they go to. Cause someone needed to take their horse somewhere. And I was like,
1: oh you're literally in labor. On?
2: I was like literally on the OR table, like, probably naked. I don't know what was going on down below the sheet. <laughs> like right. and I was just like, why are we talking about vets? And I didn't say anything. Um I I mean I would now, you know, hindsight of course. But I was just like and I was crying and you know the CRNA, she did notice I was crying and the there was one NICU nurse and I remember she came over to me. She was so sweet and she's like it's gonna be okay. Like you're gonna meet your baby. And that was like the nicest thing anyone said to me in that OR, and I was just like, "Give me my husband." So, I think
0: they were like, "Oh yeah." Finally, someone acknowledges that I'm having a baby. Like it sounds like they were just kind of like going about their day like nothing. You're like, "Uh, "It's a big moment for me." It was really weird. I,
2: I didn't really appreciate that, but yeah, I mean, it was okay. I knew everything was okay, and you know, I was trying to just be thankful that you know, I I was going to meet my baby. Um, So yeah, they brought my husband in and it literally was like minutes. And my baby was born, I thought it was going to take a long time. And no, my baby was there. Next thing I knew, the doctor held the baby over the little, you know, sheep that was in front of me. And she was crying. And she was perfect. I remember reaching up, I touched her foot. And everyone in the room was like, No, 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 don't grab her. Like, I think they thought I was going to just like pull her to me. But it was just so like instinctual just to like touch my baby. And I was like, I'm not going to drag her. Like <laughs> I'm going to try to drop her. Like <laughs> just wanted to touch her. So yeah, I touched her little feet. And then they took her to the warmer just to wipe her down and get her clean quick. I sent my husband over there. I'm like, go, oh, go be with her. And and that was pretty quick too. I'm I'm very thankful that it only took him a few minutes to clean her up. They wouldn't let me hold her until I was fully sewn back up, um, which that was also very quick. So there are a lot of things I I do have to be thankful for the procedure was very quick. Um, So they got me back onto my off the OR table onto my bed. And they handed her to me immediately, which was so awesome um, that I was still in the OR and I got to hold her and then they wheeled me back to triage with her on my chest. And I remember thinking, like, they actually trust me to hold her, like, while they're wheeling me? Like, what if she rolls off or something? Because I remember my boobs were, like, so big, you know? And I'm like, what if she rolls off me? And so I was just holding on to her so tightly, like, I cannot drop her. And I think that's when the anxiety started. Oh, my gosh, Um, yeah. But yeah, that was the birth of my daughter.
0: And how was it immediately postpartum? And how how did you feel physically? And and just how was it with your baby?
2: Um, I think so. I had a spinal, so I didn't feel like any pain or anything like that. Um, I was very thankful because as soon as we got back to my little curtained room in triage, my doula was there. The hospital lactation consultant was there. She knew I wanted to breastfeed, so she waited late for me. And then the NICU nurse, who was so sweet to me, she followed us as well. And then my husband, of course, was there. So I had all four of them around me. And my we got my baby latched right away onto the breast. And it was just like I felt so supportive. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this is exactly what That's I sweet. wanted. Like, so that was really nice. I I really appreciated them supporting me, wanting to breastfeed and I kept thinking, like, at least I got this, you know, because I had heard stories where women are separated from their babies, or, you know, it's hours before they can try to breastfeed. So I had a lot to be thankful for in that moment. Um, The whole hospital stay overall, I would say was not that great. Um, Just a lot of things that I, like, I didn't want formula or pacifier to be offered. And three different nurses kept offering me a pacifier or formula because she did have a high bilirubin um, the next day when they did labs. And for some reason, they were like, Oh, like formula fixes that. And I was like, that's weird, because I thought you guys don't promote formula. I thought you promoted breastfeeding here. So my doula was really helpful. Just we were texting and she was kind of just telling me like, No, you just need to breastfeed that baby. Like, It's okay so that was really the only the only thing um there were some little minor kind of like you know just moments where I was like really but nothing really that was memorable overall like I I was healthy my baby was healthy and I'll kind of touch on that later because That's what everyone says, right? Well, healthy baby, healthy mom, you should be happy. Um, But I still left just really a little disappointed that I didn't get the birth I wanted. Um, But yeah, we were only at the hospital, not even two full days. So that was really nice too. They, They let me go pretty early. And yeah, we went home.
0: And I think it's important what you said, like, cause I do hear you saying a lot, like, you know, I should, I have that to be grateful for. I should be thankful for that. And I think it's, it's good to acknowledge that there are things that you're grateful for. Obviously like Abby's here and she's healthy, but it's also good to acknowledge that it didn't go the way you wanted. And there was like a void still in that experience. Cause that's something we do have to also honor in your experiences that it didn't go as planned and it, it kind of sucks. Like you know, thinking back, like it hurts a little, there's a little sting to it, not going the way I wanted it. And yeah, there's things to be grateful for, but there's also like room for that hospital to improve. Obviously there's things that they shouldn't have done or acted in that way. So I think it's important to also honor that experience in that way. Um, And physically, how did you recover? Was it really painful?
2: you know, honestly, I was so consumed with my newborn baby that I didn't even think of my own recovery. And (laughs) somehow I recovered fine. But I really did not take care of myself like I should have. And like I said, like I I didn't really have a lot of pain, even in the hospital um, postpartum, like they had some good meds for me, but I didn't really need anything. I think I took Motrin a wow. few times. Um, but yeah, I really got you know lucky again, I guess just I had a good recovery despite not taking care of myself at all. Um, but even when I got home, it was little things like our I'm really short, I'm five feet nothing and our bed <laughs> is kind of high. And I remember the first night we got home, I was like, I can't get on the bed. Like, my husband had to like lift me on. So that night he had, to, he had to run to Home Goods and buy me like a step stool. And then I remember like we spent so much time preparing the baby's room that we didn't even think like the baby's going to be with us for like the first, you know, whatever, five, six months. And so in my room, like we didn't have like a chair for me. I didn't have a rocking chair. I didn't even I didn't have anything. So we rolled in like our little rolly office desk. So I was in the office chair nursing the baby and he's stuffing pillows everywhere and i was like <laughs> why didn't we think of this like i don't know what we were thinking so yeah he <laughs> ordered a chair off amazon that night and it was just like a disaster <laughs> figuring out what we needed um but eventually we got it
0: that's so funny that's what Cal- like- yeah <laughs> We always send our husbands like last minute, go find all of this because we should have thought of this. (laughs) I'm laughing because
1: we had the same thing. I had an office chair when I was nursing Cassie in my bedroom because I knew I wanted a rocking chair, but I suffered from anxiety of like making a decision. So I couldn't like, you know, like the color was going to make make it or break it. (laughs) And so I think ours was back order because then of course I'm an accountant I wanted a good deal so I was searching like 40 websites with coupons and what is it after tax so I I suffered for like four days with like literally the office chair I'm sitting in right now Uh, but that's so funny don't feel bad I I also procrastinate on getting a chair like basic necessity sometimes
2: (laughs) I know it's so true. true
0: And I don't know, I mean, it sounds like so we had a little bit of issues preparing for the postpartum, I guess, initially, like in our setup. So how did you prep for postpartum at all, like in general, for how it was going to be with a brand new baby at home, emotionally, and all of that mentally? Did you I, have expectations?
2: <laughs> I had no idea what to expect. And and I tell women this, even to this day, no matter how much you prepare, like nothing will prepare you for actually going through it. Um, but I do believe in preparation. I wish I had prepared more. Um, thankfully, my doula, like she came twice to my house um, after the birth. I think like one week postpartum and two weeks postpartum. And she's a lactation consultant. So she helped with breastfeeding and just a lot of other things. We talked about, you know, the birth and you know, she did some dishes. Like it was awesome. But wow. that's really the only thing I had for myself. Didn't know what to expect, and like I said, I was really focused on my baby. So I think processing my birth and processing, you know, things that I didn't like about the hospital, like I just totally pushed that aside, and I was like, I have this baby to take care of now. Like, on we go. Um, but the right. thing, and I'm really glad you mentioned it a little while ago, Cindy, is that like if you don't process those things that did not go your way or that really disappointed you, like it's just gonna be there, and mm. it'll come back. And it did later on in postpartum. But at that time, immediately, you know, like those first three months, like I was really just focused on my baby. And and so was everyone else, which kind of surprised me too. Like, you know, everyone just wanted to see the baby and how's the baby? And you know, like I, I remember I had one friend and prior to giving birth, she had told me, like, I'm gonna check on you postpartum. And I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. And she's like, no, no, I'm going to check on you, like, mentally. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, you probably don't have to, but thank you. And (laughs) sure enough, she would call me. And she's like, I'm not calling about the baby. Like, how are you? How are you doing mentally? Like, do you need to talk? And, And at the time, like I said, those first few months, I was like, no, like, I'm fine. But I, looking back now, like, I am so thankful for her. And I did, over time, end up opening up to her a lot. But I just remember thinking, like, she's the only person who's really reached out to me like that. Like, asked me, like, about my mental state. And I think all moms need friends like that. And not just one friend, but you need, like, a whole support team of people who are asking how you're doing and what you need and if you just need to talk or you know, because I I think what I got a lot of times when I did start to open up a little bit was like, well, you and your baby are fine. Nothing traumatic happened. Like there was no NICU stay, you didn't bleed out. Like, you know, what are you like, almost like, what are you complaining about? So I really just thought like, yeah, people are right. Like, you know, and I think that kind of helped me bury, you know, things further and further back. But yeah, later in postpartum, I I would say I, I probably did have postpartum depression. Um, even though it wasn't in that immediate postpartum phase phase that most people think of. I would definitely say I had postpartum anxiety right away. <laughs> um, I, I didn't want to drive for weeks. I was so afraid of getting in a car accident. I could like imagine it in my mind. And yeah, just little things, you know, like dropping her or I'd like have my phone and I'd be like, what if I drop my phone on her head and like cause a dent in her forehead or something? Like I would just right. think of all these things, but the anxiety did get better, of course. Um, but yeah, like I said, later I, I did hit some depression. I, I would call it too like an identity crisis as well because I kind of just pushed myself so far back that I, I just lost who I was even. And, and I felt like no one was even asking about me at that point. You know, it was all about the baby.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's hard. I think a lot of, if you've never gone through it, you don't realize. And I think your friends too, if, if, especially if they're not moms, they don't know like to check on you. Right. And it's kind of, you don't know until you know, kind of thing. And we do get like forgotten it, it sucks. Like you do feel kind of, you know, pushed aside. I think even up to now, sometimes I'm like, what about me? You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's yeah. fine. You know what I mean? Like the baby's yeah. fine. Trust me, like he's chill, like nothing's wrong, but you know, and, and it's true, like how your friend would call you and tell you, I'm not going to ask about the baby because the baby's fine. Like <laughs> that, they're fine. It's more about how are you? And how did, you, so initially did you like, did the lack of sleep and all of that, was that hard for you or did yeah. you really not start to like feel kind of like that depression set in until later? Oh yeah. Initially that lack of sleep
2: hit me so hard because I was breastfeeding. I didn't want to bottle feed until she was about like three months at least. because uh, I didn't want like nipple confusion. Um, so it was just me, and I remember like, you know, watching my husband sleep as I'm feeding the baby for the sixth time during the night and changing the diapers with nipples, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it was just it was different, you know, being a breastfeeding mom, especially like feeding on demand, like you are at that baby service twenty four seven And even when my husband went back to work, like, I was so mad at him, like, you have all these freedoms, like, you get to go to work. (laughs) He would be like, it's not that great, I promise, like, I wish I could stay with you. And I'd be like, I just want to get in a car by myself, like, I'll just sit in the street or something. But I, I didn't hit, I would say, like, those kind of like depression issues until like, at least like eight months. So it was part of, and and that was right around the time the pandemic uh, was coming around. My daughter was like seven or eight months, which the pandemic really didn't affect us too much because I'm a, I'm an introvert. I'm very introvert, and so we didn't go out much, anyways. So the pandemic, locking us in the house, was not a huge deal. Um, But I think things did start coming out because people would text or call, like, "How is the baby doing?" How is this pandemic affecting your eight month old? Like, <laughs> I would just laugh, like, like you said, Cindy, the baby is fine. Like, she has no idea what's going on. Like, her world has not changed much, you know. But, but do you want to ask about me? Like, right. So I think I just started to realize too. You know, I had been a nurse before, and I I left nursing. And I started just feeling these things, like, should I be in the hospital working and helping? But of course, I had this brand new baby, like, which wasn't brand new by then. But I was like, no, like, my daughter is my number one priority now. And my husband already works at another hospital. So there's no way we're both going to risk, you know, bringing this virus home to her. And, and financially, yeah. like, we, we had made it work so that if I did want to be a stay-at-home mom, I could. We just didn't know how long that would possibly last for. I mean, I never anticipated it would last this long, but that's it's worked out great. Um, but yeah, I was just really feeling like I don't have my career anymore. I don't. I a lot of my friends did change, um, and and even just some of the friendships I had, and you know, even from some family, it was just everyone wanted to know about the baby. And it was almost like people didn't even know what to talk to me about anymore, like, unless it had to do with the baby. So I I did start going to therapy. Um, I found a counselor on BetterHelp. And I saw her for a while, maybe like four or five months. And she was super helpful. She was the one who actually kind of helped me Uh, Figure out that it was kind of an identity crisis that I kind of had lost myself, and I didn't know where I fit in, and I was feeling very, you know, I guess ignored maybe, or, um, but she she helped me kind of go back, like all the way to childhood even, and she really helped me see that, like even as a kid and growing up, like I attached a lot of who I am to what I do. So like I got good grades. Mm-hmm. I was a good athlete. Um, I went to church, volunteered, all these things that I did, that I could say like, oh yeah, I, I'm a college student. And then when I became a nurse, well, I'm a nurse. And then becoming a mom, it was like I'm a mom. And people would be like, well, what else do you do? Like, you're just a mom. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it really like got me because, and I was seeing a lot of moms doing like all these you know, other things, they were either working full time, or they had some kind of side gig. And I really did feel like, oh, should I be doing something too? Um, so it took me some time to just be okay with like, no, like, you are enough, like, as you are, you don't have to have a career, you don't have to like, run some volunteer group, like you are fine, just how you are. Um, you know, you're the right mom for your baby, and, and that's a huge job essentially, I guess, in itself. And so that was really helpful. She also helped me process my birth, which by that time had been like a year past, and she had this concept of um I think it was like um like grieving a loss or like letting a dream die. And So we had to go back to like my original birth plan, birth plan A. And I remember like the one thing I didn't want was a cesarean birth and that's what I ended up happening. And so we kind of just had to unravel and process all my little disappointments along the way. And all the people I had to forgive, you know, in the hospital and during that time, like who I felt like, you know, I didn't get the best treatment or whatever. And so we we went back and that was really helpful. Like, like I said, now I can go back and talk about my birth and really find things to be thankful for. I still find new things to be thankful for. Um, whereas for a long time, I was really just like, Ugh, like I didn't have the birth I wanted. And now I can say like I had a cesarean birth and, you know, it was okay. And I think the big thing is like, So many women have cesarean births. It's so common. And I think because it's so common, like society, we all have this stigma, like it's fine. You know, these women are fine. It happens, you know, thousands of times a day. But just because something is common doesn't mean it's right. Like just because something happens a lot doesn't mean it's normal, doesn't mean it's okay. Because I would say probably the majority of women I talk to who've had a cesarean birth it's not what they wanted. There are women, of course, who who do want that and choose that. And that's great. I think as long as you know your options and you're choosing, you're making an informed decision, then that's great. Um, but I think for a lot of women, it was not their original plan. And I think just like what you ladies are doing, giving women the space and the support to say, like, you're right. Like, that wasn't what you wanted. And do you want to talk about it? Do you want to share? Um, Because like I said, initially, like I didn't really have that it was like, you're fine, baby's fine. You know, And, and I mean, any kind of birth, I, you know, even vaginal births can be very traumatic. So yeah, I think just being able to open up about it. Another thing my therapist at the time had said is that you know, trauma, even though my birth wasn't traumatic, but trauma is not your fault. But your healing is your responsibility. And she wow. really put that into my hands of like, you know, this is going to like stay with you forever, unless you deal with it, like you have to do the hard work. And and I did, And I was, you know, very adamant about like, I don't want to feel that way about my birth, I don't want to feel bad about the way my daughter was born. And so, yeah, I had to do, like I said, a lot of just going back, you know, talking things out, pinpointing what it was that bothered me or who specifically did what, and then really forgiving and letting go. And yeah, that helped me a lot. I can say I'm in such a good place now, such um, a better place, especially going into my second birth. Um, I just was so much better prepared, and I just feel for for moms, all moms now. All moms have a great story and a unique story, and I just feel like, you know, there's something we could get from everybody and learn from everybody.
1: I was just going to say, Jen, I thought that was, like, really beautiful what you said about, like, that your therapist said, and that you not so much take ownership, but know that sometimes... Like you say, we get forgotten, we get talked about, oh, how's the baby? And we kind of like start losing. And I suffer from that, right? Where like you start losing who you are and you start focusing on your baby and you kind of forget about yourself. But it's true. Nobody's going to heal us. Nobody's, it's our own responsibility. And I think that's beautiful that you like sought treatment and that you took it and that you made peace with the birth. Like, because like you say, you have to mourn the loss. You had a dream. Like we all had dreams growing up, right? Like some of us, um, you know we wanted to get married in a church or we wanted to take a vacation somewhere like and if you don't get to do that like it's okay to hurt and to lose that and to mourn it because it is a loss like what if your dream was to really like I don't know go to college and for some reason you couldn't go and people like give you that benefit they don't say oh it's okay you have a job like they feel bad for you so why do we let moms like just because you lost the dream that you had. Yeah, I know birth plans go out the window, right? But it's okay if it went bad and it's okay for you to be like, well, that's not what I wanted. And for people to accept it and not say like, well, you should be grateful that your baby's okay. Yeah, you're 100% grateful. But yes, let's mourn the loss. Let's process the loss. So I think that's beautiful that you did that. I like apply you for seeking the therapy and the help for that. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I'm glad that you found You found your therapist. It sounds like you found someone to listen to you when a lot of times we're kind of like told to just sit down, you know, like shut up, like you don't have <laughs> anything to talk about, your baby's fine, like there's bigger like problems in the world. And it's like, no, I mean, I I didn't get it the way I wanted and, and that's okay, I need to process it. And for to find someone to listen to you talk about that, you know, I'm really glad that you did that as well. Thanks.
2: Thanks, ladies. I, I don't share that a lot, but I am totally open about it when it comes up because I, I do think therapy is great. I wish I would have done it earlier. Um, even my husband actually started going to therapy too, a little bit shortly after I started going. Um, so yeah, we're big supporters of going to therapy and Um, I got really lucky with my therapist. She had had never even had children before. So for her to really relate to me um, regarding childbirth and being a mom was really cool. And I've been in contact with a lot of friends lately who kind of have that same mindset. um, And kind of how we reconnected against Cindy is just having these non-judgmental people in your life who you can vent to or talk about things. And they are just like, yes, like you have a valid point and let's keep talking. And so, yeah, I'm really thankful for people like that
0: in my life. And you brought up your husband. So I wanted to ask you just kind of going into another direction real quick. How how was your relationship with your husband? You know, after having the baby, did did it get a little crazy? I mean, for me, it did. So I want to know (laughs) if if it did for you as well.
2: Yeah. Um, yes, it, it did. We were not prepared. Um, I ended up reading a book like much later postpartum about welcoming a baby into your, your marriage. But initially, no, we weren't that prepared. And like I said, the big thing for me was I felt like he had just like all this freedom. He was very helpful. He was very great with my daughter. Um but I still felt like the one like I'm the one stuck here, you know, and it's it seen. I mean, he wasn't doing anything fun. He was like going grocery shopping and getting gas and doing like normal things. But I'd be like, "You're so lucky!" Like, I want to go to the gas station, and like, <laughs> so it did. I I would like. I mean, I I would say there were times I had rage. I had straight up
0: rage yes.
2: for no reason, like. Like I said, something so small, going to the gas station, like, and like I, set you off. Know? Yes, and to me and my my mind and my hormonal mind at the time, just it seemed like you have all this freedom, and it's yeah. just me. And you know, he was very poor guy, very patient, just letting me vent in my not so <laughs> pleasant way, but. he he did we we finally like we worked on our marriage a lot like I said we each ended up going to therapy on our own um and actually the plan was to then do marriage counseling together but we ended up like not even needing that um but we we worked a lot on just our communication and I, I think for me and maybe for some other women too but like I kind of wished a lot of times like you should just know what I need. Like, you should know what I want. You should read my mind. (laughs) Yes. Like you should know these things. And for him, he would, he would tell me like, no, like you have to just, just tell me like, make a list or, and like, at first that bothered me because I, I, like I said, I thought like, no, you should know. And then no, I I would start making lists or telling him specifically (laughs) what I needed. And sure enough, like, it, it worked so <laughs> right um i th- i think that's just the thing with men and women um mm-hmm. you know men most men they they don't mind being told like you said like they're not mind readers none of us are mind readers and so when i was finally specific on what i i needed he he totally stepped up like it wasn't that he didn't want to do it it wasn't that he didn't want to help he just he didn't know exactly what i wanted or how I needed something to be done. So, so yeah, we, we worked a lot on our marriage and even now we make it a point to connect every day. Our daughter goes to bed so early. So we have our evenings together um, where we can just hang out or, you know, play a game, watch Netflix. Um, but I know someone mentioned sleep earlier and I just want to say like, I still struggle with sleep. My daughter, yeah. almost two and a half, barely started sleeping through the night, like a little after she was two. And even now, she wakes up like at 5.30 in the morning.
0: Oh, my so, gosh.
1: No. <laughs> no, thank
2: you.
0: <laughs> she is an early riser.
2: Sometimes a little late. Like today, she woke up at 6.30, which Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're
0: like woohoo we slept yes. in today
2: it was glorious I mean lucky for me since i've been pregnant my husband is the one to get up with her every morning oh that's awesome and i am just so thankful for that because <laughs> there's no way like I'd probably throw an ipad in her crib but no
0: yeah <laughs> oh someone he gets gosh. her
2: out and feeds her breakfast um so yeah we we worked
0: a lot but yeah I mean I think people don't talk a lot about the sleep thing because I also like yeah you know my son still wakes up a lot at night so and you know it's it's not easy like when you're breastfeeding and I co I bed share so like having him Move to breastfeed wakes me up. And I don't think people understand that, like, you're constantly like waking up, adjusting, you know, oh my gosh, his latch sucks right now. It really hurts. Like, you know, trying to like, so the sleep thing kind of doesn't get better for I don't know how long. I'm still waiting, you know, (laughs) for it to get better. And then I'm like, and then you have another baby and you're like back to square one. (laughs) So, yeah. No,
2: no, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, uh, again, in the beginning, a lot of my friends like, Oh no, like my baby was sleeping through the night at like 8 weeks and I was just stunned. At some of these stories, you know, friends would tell me and it would get me mad even. I'd be like, "Why? Your right. baby sleeps how many hours?"
1: Um, you yeah, know, and you're like thing is mine too. broken? <laughs> I know, right? I need a warranty <laughs> claim piece. <please. laughs> um,
2: yeah, I, I I would also hear like just give that baby a bottle or, you know, my grandma, like give, give a bottle of rice milk before bed. And i be like, oh my God. Oh my no, God.
1: We talk about all the stuff our grandparents and our moms tell us about things we should be doing, especially when you're breastfeeding and they, you know, didn't breastfeed for that long. I'm like, no, just no, please. No. Yes.
2: You guys <laughs> will have to do an episode just on like the wonderful advice breastfeeding moms get. Or, anyway. oh my gosh. Any, any way you feed, you're gonna get some comments. So, yeah, yes.
1: <laughs> how long did you breastfeed your, your two year old? Um, we, we still breastfeed. Well,
2: I don't think I produce milk, I think my milk production stopped at around 10 weeks, but she's still comfort nurses. Um, so before nap and before bed, really. So, yeah, we're still kind of.
1: You You're going. Yeah. <laughs> I think our girls are about the same age. Okay. Cassie was in July and we just stopped right before she turned two because I was I was done. I I couldn't. I was I had, we also bed chairs, so she would be latched on all night, like literally like a newborn. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. And she still wakes up. Like she's not breastfeeding anymore, and she still wakes up for a sip of water. She's like, mommy, yeah. agua. And I'm like, girl, like, she's going to sleep. So yes. my girl doesn't sleep, but she's a night owl. So when you're saying your baby wakes up at like six, and I'm just like, oh, gosh. <laughs> We're like on our second sleep at that point. <laughs> but one day, one day we'll sleep, ladies. I don't know yes. when
0: not tomorrow not soon but one day no. well Jen for sure no because she's about to have another baby so sorry Jen maybe not you for a while I'm like
2: maybe this baby will be that baby who like you take him home from the hospital and they sleep you
1: know six seven hours that's what I say I feel like life owes me a baby that sleeps because <laughs> I've gone two and a half years with a solid eight hours of sleep I feel like life owes me a baby that goes to
0: sleep long. Yes. Oh I don't my know. Gosh. We'll, we'll all I'm be putting... hoping that the second baby's asleep for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And I was gonna ask Jen, so is there anything you wish someone had told you before becoming a mom? And what would be your advice to someone that's thinking of becoming a mom or or pregnant? What would you, be your advice be?
2: So I have a few things. I think, first of all, for any woman or any girl, teenager, 20s, 30s, whatever, I think it's so important, whether you want kids or not, you need to know your body, you need to know your cycle and knowing your cycle is not knowing when you get your period. I remember when I started doing fertility awareness, a lot of girls would be like, oh, yeah, like I track my period. And it's like, that's great. But when it comes to making a baby, it's all about ovulation. Like you need to know when you ovulate, not when your period is, because it could be different every month. Um, So I would say, just learn your body, look into fertility awareness. There are several different methods out there. Um, It's something, you know, I think we should be getting educated on this in high school or even before high school. Um, And then for women who are trying to conceive, I think it's just important to know that you are fine with or without children. Because like I said, when I was kind of looking into getting pregnant, you just see the devastation of like every month, you know, you don't get that positive pregnancy test, your period comes. And it can be consuming. It it, it really Mm -hmm. can, you know, just drag you down and, I would say, like I said, just focus on you and know your body, but also know that you're okay with or without children. And I I do believe that all women mother in some way. So even if God doesn't bless you with biological children, you know, you're going to be an aunt or you're going to be a role model in some child's life at some point or another. And, And that is okay. Like you have influence in this world as a mother whether you want to be or not and then if you're pregnant Mm. i like i mentioned before i my biggest advice to a pregnant woman is get a doula get a doula if you know you don't believe you can afford it you can't afford it put it on your baby registry you will not regret hiring a doula um and then for you know new moms or moms i would just say the same thing i tell myself everything is a phase You know, that initial phase where you're still healing, where you're feeding every hour, it's a phase. It'll change, you know, the tantrums, they change, you know, the, uh, everything, just, everything changes. So whether you're in a really great spot or you're really struggling, like it's not going to last because I know that's something, even right now that I kind of am going through, like my daughter throws the craziest tantrums and I'm like, is it me? And. The thing to realize is like, it's not me. It's something going on with her and she will, you know, move out of this phase. And so, yeah, that's kind of the advice I have, you know, just depending on where you're at
0: in your journey. No, I think that's great advice. And I like that you said that, you know, we all mother like someone or in our lives, you know what I mean? And that could be in so many different scenarios where you are kind of that mother figure for someone. And so I thought that was very powerful for you to share because that, that is true. Um, I was going to ask you, can you share what, what's your favorite thing about being a mom?
2: I just love watching my little girl grow and change. And I see little bits of pieces of me and my husband and it's just so much fun fun like just seeing her grow and become this person and it it just really fills my heart up that like I I get to be her mom and I just love I love that like I made her (laughs) it's it's, it's the best it really is the best um
0: yeah your whole face lit up when you when you're talking about her (laughs) that's amazing and she's super super cute I was going to ask you for the, for the second pregnancy. So what, what are you doing differently? Is there like, are you doing a complete change of everything or how, how are you handling it all?
2: Yeah. So this time around, I am going for a VBAC, a vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, I did switch care practices. So I'm no longer with the OBGYN who delivered my daughter. I switched to a midwifery group, which I am so thankful for. Um they're the only midwifery group in El Paso I believe. They're with Texas Tech mm-hmm. and they've been awesome. Um even my appointments are just so different. They don't really do they're a little bit hands off as far as like ultrasounds. Like I've only had two ultrasounds and I don't think I'll get another one. But they're just very patient. My appointments take as long as they need to take. They're never in a rush. They're very holistic, you know, they ask about all aspects of my life. And I have just really appreciated their care. Um, I do meet with one of their OBGYNs in the coming weeks because because I am going for a VBAC. I do need to meet with one of their OBGYNs at least once. Um, Mm. They said just in case I will have to meet them again at some point during the birth, but they said that's very unlikely. Um, but the whole group, everyone is supportive of VBAC. Everyone is supportive of, you know, getting a, having a doula. Like, they're all so on board with me having my doula. Um, they did say eventually we'll go over my birth plan. So it's just been a whole different feel this time around. Um, obviously, I'm much more prepared. <laughs> I know a lot more now than I knew back then for my first birth. And I am starting to do a lot of things early on this time. Like I started going to a chiropractor. I have started the spinning babies exercises already. I'm taking an evidence-based birth class. Um, So I feel like I'm doing a lot this time to just focus on me a little bit. And I will Mm -hmm. definitely prepare more for postpartum this time around. Um, So yeah, it's very different.
0: And did they give you at all like a hard time when you said you wanted a VBAC? Was there like any pushback? Was there um, evaluating like if you're a good candidate or anything like that?
2: No. So from my very first appointment with them, and this was before I was even pregnant. I just went for my annual pap smear. I told them Mm -hmm. I wanted to go for a VBAC whenever I did get pregnant again. And they were totally on board. Like, yeah, you'd be a great candidate. And wow. so, of course, at the time, I was like, eh, maybe they're just saying that. But then yeah. when I really did get <laughs> pregnant, like, they they still have still had the same support. And from what I've heard with the hospital, that they are very patient as a facility. They are very patient with women who want to go in for VBAC. Um, you know, there's not a rush for things, interventions, things like that. So I'm thankful to hear those things. Um, my first well with the OBGYN I was with with my daughter when I went for my post op appointment with him I had mentioned you know for my next baby I want to go for a VBAC and immediately mm. he was like whoa 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 like we'll really? That bridge when we get there he's like you know this visit is all about birth control and <laughs> preventing you from getting pregnant again so soon and so he really brushed it wow. off and I found out later from my doula, like, no, he does not do VBACs, mm-hmm. which many OBGYNs don't. Um, right. And it's really the hospitals they work for, I think, just liability issues. Um, so, yeah, I, I my doula had referred me to this midwifery group whenever I did want to get pregnant again. So I'm, I'm glad I made
0: the change. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad that you did too. And with your, so you're taking an evidence-based birth class. So that's, um, birth education. And how are you, did you take a class before your first baby, or is this also something kind of new that you added?
2: Well, with my first, I did the, they did like a childbirth class at the hospital. It was just like one day and they just kind of go over, you know, what to kind of expect at the hospital And they also had a breastfeeding class I did, too. Um, But it was just really brief. Um, This class I'm doing now, it's a ton of research. It's, It's mostly videos. And then I meet with my instructor, like, once a week for five to six weeks. And this time around, like, I'm learning so much. Just all these interventions to not interventions, but all these things I can do to put off getting an intervention while I'm in the hospital, what the research says about eating while pregnant, drinking water while pregnant. Um, right. I'm just learning so much that I'm like, man, I wish I had this the first time around.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I think with the uh, hospital-based courses, I think I've been reading this book and it's really interesting the way that hospital – classes came about. So it's part of the transition from like out of hospital birth to in hospital birth that as a way of kind of controlling how things occurred in hospital, they developed a birth education from the hospital. They kind of took it away from the community and brought it to the hospital, but it was in a way, a way to control the woman. So kind of like, how do we teach them to be a good patient? Like you're going to walk in. This is how you, you're you going to wear a gown, you know, this, an epidural, like kind of. It's really interesting. And I think a lot of people don't realize like a lot of that. It's kind of like a woman's rights issue. And I don't think when people like, oh, it's just a C-section. Oh, it's just an epidural. Like they don't see that the history, like the historical significance that it has. So it's, I'm really glad that you're taking an out-of-hospital community-based class because it's it's very different. So what you're learning, you would have never been taught because the doctors kind of don't want you to know, right? They'd rather that you don't cause a fuss and you kind of just shut up and take it kind of thing, you know? So... I'm glad that you're taking that. Yeah. I mean I'm super nerdy about all that and I it's very interesting to me. So I'm really glad that you're taking that class and that you found it helpful.
2: Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right too, because even when I was taking that hospital class, it I remember when they talked about epidurals, it was like, and when you get your epidural, like it wasn't even like if you choose to go, and <laughs> it was like yeah. when, you, when you go. <laughs> It's basically um, like
1: hospital orientation it's like this is how <laughs> yes. your first this is how your birth is going to go here's your orientation because I remember switching uh, hot, making my decision on which hospital I was going to deliver because I didn't like what they said and I was very like I had to do a lot and I had this idea and They're like no this is the way we do it and I was like okay well peace out I'm not delivering here and I I was like bye and you know I went to the other hospital and sure it, and it, it is an orientation it's not Education is an orientation of how your day is going to go and how your delivery is going to be, regardless of what mom feels like doing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's 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 wild.
1: absolutely right. Um,
2: Yeah, it it does not prepare you (laughs) the way you should be prepared. You're right. Um, I I was going to mention one more thing I'm also doing this time around is I'm doing um, pregnancy coaching calls with um, a doula. And it's something new she's offering and she had done this raffle where she was giving away like some free coaching sessions and I happened to win. And so I've been having weekly calls with her and let me tell you, it's been really great every week just to talk to somebody about my pregnancy and my birth. Like I'm telling you this time around, I just feel so (laughs) much more prepared you know, even if things don't go my way, at least I can say I did everything I could. Um, but she's been really helpful, too, just as someone to talk to. It's literally like a friend. And and she, like I said, she is a doula. Um, she's out of state, but it's a service she offers. And I was talking to her just the other day, like, this is a, something that should be offered to all women, like it should just be included in the whole pregnancy package. Like when you get pregnant, you should just have all these things <laughs> that come along with it. Like your therapist, right. your, your friend, your doula, like you just need all these things. I think as a society, you know, that's from like our moms and our grandmas, we, we just became the like women suck it up and push through. Like that's just how birth is viewed. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm doing things totally different. So we'll see.
0: No, and I I mean, you're reclaiming that. So I'm like super happy for you. You're reclaiming that. And no matter what happens, you are changing the narrative for Abby. And that's Mm -hmm. really powerful because now Abby's mom is going to have experienced, you know, how it was like without so much preparation, how it is with a lot of preparation, with a lot of support. And she's going to have a mom that's going to honor that for her and be like, hey, Abby, like you're pregnant or, you know, whatever. Even starting with the fertility awareness methods, like let's do that. She's going to have someone so supportive for her when when and if she ever does get pregnant and wants kids that can help her navigate that when we didn't have that. And so I'm really happy like that. That's already such a huge win for you. And yeah, like, that's amazing because you're prepping for her. And, you know, and it's weird. I know we don't, we already do everything for our kids. But even <laughs> this also is ends up being for your kids as well, you know, no matter what. So I'm like super excited for you. I really have you in my thoughts and prayers in terms of like this next delivery that everything goes well no matter the results, like whether, you know, whatever happens, I, I just hope that you're supported and respected in your decision making, because I think that's what's going to make the big difference. So I'm really excited for you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, thank you so much. Jen. I don't know if you have anything else to say. If not, we really just thank you. And I, I hope to have you on again after your next baby to see how everything's going.
2: Yeah, that would be great. Um, No, I don't have anything else to add, but just thank you, ladies, for what you're doing. It's really great.
0: Thank you so much, Jen. Thank
2: you so much. Thank you.